Alright, so uh, just before we begin, I would like to state for the record that today is March 3rd, 2021, and my name is Ben Bauman, and I'm here in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I'm speaking via phone with Paul Rowland, who is also in Indianapolis, Indiana, is that correct? Yes. Okay, perfect. And we are doing an interview for the Indiana Legislative Oral History Initiative. So just starting off, when and where were you born? I was born in uh, 1934 in Camden, New Jersey. Oh, okay. And uh, what were your parents' names? My father's name is uh, Frank Rowland, and my mother's name is Dorothy Rowland. Okay. Now, where was your family from uh, before New Jersey? Had, had your family always been from around New Jersey for many years, or...? No, my father was born in Italy. Oh, okay. And came to the United States in 1910. Wow. My mother was born in Philadelphia and remained there until she died in um, 1937. Okay, interesting. And now, did you grow up speaking a little bit of Italian at all, or...? Uh, I did not learn Italian until later life. Okay, sure. And what were your parents' occupations? My father owned a newsstand and a uh, hard hard bookstore. Uh, by that I mean hardbacks. It was before paperback books. Yeah. In Philadelphia. Okay, interesting. Did you have any siblings growing up? I had one sister, three years older than me. Okay. And how would you describe your childhood overall? Um, my childhood was a very mixed childhood in that my, I was mostly with my father for many years after my mother died right. when I was three years old. Yeah. And... My father taught me uh, how, to let a, how to get along by myself. Um, over the years, I worked at his newsstand from age five uh, throughout uh, the years, many years, let's see, uh, five until I was 18. Yeah. And as a result of that, I met a lot of people during those times, and I learned a lot that you don't learn, a lot of things you don't learn in school. Oh, okay. Interesting. And what understanding, if any, did you have about your family's political beliefs as a child? Uh, my father was a Republican and a Democrat, depending on the individuals who were running for office. Okay. Sure. I had no real interest in politics in New Jersey. Okay. And what schools did you attend as a child and teenager? Uh, I attended grade school and high school in Audubon, New Jersey. Okay, got it. Were you involved in any extracurricular activities at all, or...? Uh, I was involved in all 
in three sports, not very good in any of them. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Did you have any favorite subjects? No, I really didn't have any favorite subjects. I had some unfavorite subjects, like math. Yeah, okay. That's a common common one that I think many don't like. <laughs> um, now, what did you think of your educational experiences overall? In, are you talking about grade school and high school? Yeah. My sister preceded me in, in both grade school and high school, and my sister was and is a very smart person. Mm-hmm. And I, I was told by several teachers that I wasn't as bright as my sister. <laughs> oh, no. Yikes. Okay. And after uh, I entered college, I remember thinking that I would like to see those teachers again to show them that I achieved some things that they didn't think I could when I was in school. When I was in high school, right. In any event, I think my I would say that my education in high school was mediocre. Okay. Yeah, got it. And uh, now, where did you attend college? University of Pennsylvania. Okay. All right. And what did you major in there? Uh, I went to the Wharton School, majored in business. Okay. And so, uh, what made you choose Penn? Was there any other schools you're looking at besides Penn, or was it? Uh, I originally looked at Rutgers. Yeah. And uh, my dad wanted me to go to Princeton. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I believed that I couldn't uh, get in there, so I, I didn't even apply. Oh, okay. Interesting. And. With your business degree, what did you hope to do after graduation? I majored in industrial economics. And uh, because my draft status changed immediately upon uh, graduation in 1957, yeah, I went right into the New Jersey National Guard. Oh, okay. And I met a, a young fellow there who's family owned a securities firm in New York. Wow. And after, after I uh, got out of the Army, I was thinking about the securities firm, but I took a job with Allstate Insurance Company in New Jersey and decided after a couple years there that I might be better off in law school. Oh, okay. Sure. And all of my father's family... Uh, after they came from Italy, first came to a town called Oakmont, Pennsylvania. And in that town, they met people from the same city in Italy that they are from who came to Indianapolis. Right. So all of my father's family were in Indianapolis in 1912 or 13. Okay. My dad left Philadelphia in 1955, came back to Indianapolis, and reunited with his family here. And uh, I applied to Michigan and Indiana Law School and was accepted at Indiana 
University Law School in Bloomington in 1961. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. And so when you got to law school and after you completed your degree at Penn, did your political views change much at all or did you develop more political views or... I really, as I said, I didn't really have political, uh, I, I don't know what you call it, a big political interest. Okay. My, my dad took me to the Republican National Convention in 1940 when Dewey was nominated. Yeah. Uh, because it was at the, uh, it was in Philadelphia at the Bellevue Stratford Hotel. And I sold newspapers to people who attended the uh, the convention. Yeah. So that was really the only political engagements I had as a young person. But when I, when I came back to Indiana, a lot of my family, which had grown greatly before I got back to Indiana, okay, were uh, were Democrats. Oh, okay. I I considered myself a Rockefeller Republican when I was in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. But when I got to Indiana, uh, uh, regardless of how my family felt, I thought Indiana was truly too conservative for me. So I became uh, interested in the Democrat Party. Oh, interesting. Okay. Wow. That's interesting. And so what did you do after law school then? Uh, in my senior year in law school, I ran for the legislature. And I graduated that year uh, and took the bar exam that year and was elected in, uh, in 1964. Wow, okay. Yeah. And what made you decide to run for the legislature? Uh, after I got to Indiana in 61, I uh, was hired by the Indiana Department of Revenue. And I worked at the Indiana Department of Revenue throughout law school. And in 63, the legislature enacted the sales tax and the adjusted gross income tax. Mm -hmm. In 64, I was appointed to be the director of the income tax while I was still in law school. Yeah. So the, the head of the, the department was a fellow named Cliff Courtney. It was a, a fabulous gentleman and a great Democrat and who would, that same year when he suggested I run for the legislature, at the time I didn't realize he was going to appoint me the head of the income tax. Oh, okay. But as it worked out then, uh, I don't know if you remember the Goldwater race in 64. Yes. And at the time I ran for the legislature, there were 15 people as a block who were elected. Right. Instead of single member districts. So I, I was successful in the primary 
and then we were all successful in the general election. Wow, okay. Interesting. <laughs> now, in terms of your uh, family life at the time, when and if at all did you get married? I got married in 1967. Okay, so kind of right after you left the General Assembly then? Uh, my last uh, work in the General Assembly was late 66. Okay, okay. Right. Uh, I ran again in 66 and we lost to the Republican group. And at that time, I had um, just been hired by the Ruckelhaus Law Firm. Oh, okay. Yeah. And my my, uh, my partner, William Ruckelhaus, was in that group that got elected in 66. Yeah. So I kind of took his place in the law firm. Interesting. Okay. Wow. And he went on to Washington. Right. With Nixon. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Now, do you have any children? I have two sons. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, <clears throat> let's see. When you first got involved in politics, what were the key issues or legislation that you were interested in at the time? We as a group were interested in bringing Indianapolis into the 20th century. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was so conservative, as I still said, it was so yeah. conservative here. Matter of fact, Indianapolis never took federal money for the schools. And that was the first thing I sponsored. Oh, okay. And the Indiana legislature did take federal money for Indianapolis schools. Education in general was, uh, I felt, very, very much in the background here. I also sponsored the uh, development of the uh, architecture school at Ball State. So I, I was, uh, because of my Wharton background, Dick Bodine, who was the speaker, appointed me to the vice chairman of the Ways and Means Committee. Okay, interesting, and wow. The chairman, the chairman was a fellow from Anderson who had been in the legislature for some time and didn't particularly care about holding the meetings. Yeah. So I got more into the education area as a result of that, providing money for uh, the Indiana schools. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you, you mentioned that, I guess, a, a big thing for you and your sort of running mates at the time for the General Assembly was about the, how conservative Indiana was as a state. Do you think that Indiana has become less conservative over time? Yes, I do. Okay. And so what was so conservative besides, I guess, you know, some of the things with education policy and stuff at the time that you were running? Uh, for example, Indianapolis, although it had several Democrat mayors, mm -hmm. didn't do anything to uh, help the uh, help develop the city. Oh, okay. At the time it was a city. You know, not a, a city in a county. Right. It was poor Luger 
and Keith Buland who took it to what it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Indianapolis was just a cheap place. Yeah. Uh, and I, I told my relatives, and I have a very large family. Mm-hmm. The uh, My family's name is Casaro. Okay. C-O-R-S-A-R-O. But my dad changed his name to Roland. Interesting. When he left Indianapolis to go east. Okay. Um, so we passed some legislation which would allow Indian, Indianapolis to raise some taxes and to put more money into schools and put, put more money into to developing the city. Mm-hmm. So yeah. for that, that standpoint, we were, quote, liberal, unquote. The state remained, for the most part, conservative. Although, in that 64-65 legislative session, there was some. There were more views that were untraditionally uh, liberal compared to the conservative nature of Indiana since. Um, I'm trying to remember the name. The uh, the governor before uh, Pence, oh, uh, who died. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh uh, shoot! Yeah, his father was in the legislature same time I was. Um, from Southern Indiana down to Corridor. Yeah. Um. Frank. Uh, Frank, shoot, I can't think of it right now. Anyway, uh, after Frank, uh, the state really just turned back very conservative. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I understand. There's, I guess, maybe you're thinking like Frank O'Bannon or... Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of, Frank O'Bannon. And his wife, and before him, even even before him, Robert Orr. Yeah, Robert Orr was not real conservative. He he was compared to the true conservatives. He was pretty liberal. Right. But it really, after O'Bannon, it's really gone back to the conservatives mm-hmm. nature that it had been. Yeah. Okay. Now. When you first got involved in state politics, did you have any national political heroes or state or local political people that you looked up to? Uh, no, not particularly. Okay. Uh, what was your first election day like? How did you feel? I was elated. Yeah. <laughs> Both in the primary and in the general election. Yeah. And and I was very happy for the rest of our ticket. We had a really good ticket, I felt. Very balanced between men and women. Mm -hmm. And uh, I enjoyed every one of them. Yeah, okay. Uh, I later... uh, A gentleman that I owed a lot to in terms of uh, guiding me was a fellow named Tony Mayo. Tony Mayo was... uh, county chairman, Democrat county chairman, and his family was from the same town in Italy as my 
family. Mm-hmm. So he helped me through the through the years. Yeah, that's cool. So in the sense of, of a person that I thought well of in politics was Tony Mayo. Right. That's interesting. Um, hmm. um, he, he was a Democrat county chairman at one time, or at the time after I was out of the legislature. When I was in the legislature, the county chairman was Judd Haggerty, and after him was Jim Beatty. Yeah. And the Republican chairman was uh, Keith Buell. And Buell really didn't give one hoot about conservatism or liberalism. He was just after after getting people elected. Okay, yeah. Interesting. All right. And what were you thinking the first day you walked into the state house as a as an elected official? Uh, I, I was wondering what the committee assignments were going to be. Yeah. Uh, because we hadn't really met Dick Bodine, who was the speaker at the time. Oh, okay. And um, he. He had, he had our caucus in November, you know, which is organization day. Yeah. In November rather than when we first walked in the state house. But mm-hmm. in organization day is when he decided what committees you were going to have. And he had uh, a close uh, relationship with a fellow from Attica named Buzz Barker. Mm, okay. And... He also had a close relationship with a fellow from Terre Haute, whose name I can't come up with right now. And uh, the the two of them took me aside and said that Bodine wasn't going to bother thinking about the budget, that I was going to be in charge of the budget. Mm -hmm. But I really didn't have the time to think about what was going to happen to me. Yeah. worried about was how the hell we were going to get the budget together. Right, right. Yeah, that's interesting. And what were your expectations for the legislative process when you first started? Was it more or less what you expected? It, the, the process, I'm not sure I understand what you mean by the process. Like, uh, like you know, working with other legislators and committees and you know, trying to create bills and, um, yeah, I, my, my experience was very, very convivial. For example, the, the Republican chairman of the ways and means committee before our election was a guy named John Coppas from, mm-hmm. uh, from, uh, Elkhart. Okay. And Coppas taught me more and helped me more than the fellow who was the Democrat chairman of the Ways and Means Committee. Oh, okay. So from that standpoint, I had a very good relationship with the Republican side. Yeah. uh, Better than I had with the, well, I shouldn't say better, but the the, the, the fellow who was chairman, he just didn't care about anything except having a good time at the the, uh, uh, reception rooms that were over to Claypool Hotel. Oh, okay, sure. So, 
to to put it all together, I was uh, I was concerned about the legislative process. I was concerned about the budget, and um, I, I I felt like I had a really good uh, service during those two years. I was appointed to a couple committees that went on after the session. And uh, the uh, 65 session was the was the long session, so we got a lot of done. And uh, afterwards, I went back to practice. I went to practice law. Yeah, okay. And while you were serving in the legislature, how did you know the needs and wants of your constituents? Basically, through uh, the experience of the legislators who were, had been there a long time. Okay. By a long time, I mean more than two, three sessions. Right. Especially from southern Indiana, there were folks who had been around quite a while. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in northern Indiana, in the uh, region area, there were a lot of people who had been there quite a while. Yeah. So I basically learned what was expected by those folks and um, the process of uh, being more liberal, they accepted in, uh, in spite of things they wanted, they were more, they were as interested, if not more interested in uh, in turning things around in the state to be more liberal. Yeah, sure. Do you remember what the first bill was that you sponsored? Um, frankly, no, I don't. Oh, okay, no worries. Because, mainly because I was so busy working on the budget stuff. Right, right, Sure. What was the regular interaction like between the different members of the General Assembly, formal and informal? I would say that uh, there was a very cordial session. Uh, Doc Bowen was the leader of the Republican group, who <laughs> he couldn't help but like Doc Bowen because if you got the sniffles, he took care of you. Okay. <laughs> And in general, it was very cordial. It was very cordial on our side among us, except for a few people who wanted to advance their career and didn't care much about the uh, the session itself. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, how well did Democrats and Republicans get along? Very well. Very well. It was a very cordial session. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. What were the differences between the House and Senate and the members there? Um, The Senate uh, just turned Democrat. And so their, their relationship with the Senate being Democrat was a good relationship 
between Bodine and uh, uh, I'm trying to think who was the Senate leader. Can't remember who the Senate leader was. was. But uh, he and Bodine got along well. And I think we did not argue about Senate bills that came to us, and they didn't argue about House bills that came to them. Okay, sure. My recollection is that there were very few bills that went to committee and got changed between the between the two. Right. Okay. So it was cordial. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, our Senate group. There were not any people who were looking who didn't look at uh, ways to climb the ladder, but mm-hmm. the Republicans had. Uh, some folks who were interested in, in higher office. Oh, okay, sure. So I think they were more concerned about their popularity, if you will. Right. Than they were about what's going on in the, in the Senate. Yeah, I understand. How complex was it to get support for your legislation? Not complex at all. Okay. Because... If Bodine thought your legislation was worthwhile, it got assigned to the, quote, right committee, unquote. Right, okay. Got out of committee, got hearings, got out of committee, and got passed. If he didn't like it, he got buried. Okay, interesting. Which is not, which is not unusual, I've learned. Right. <clears throat> And how was legislative business conducted outside of formal votes and committee meetings? Say that again. Uh, how was legislative business conducted outside of formal votes and committee meetings? You know, I, I don't really recall any outside influences because I didn't go to these reception rooms. Ah, okay, sure. I, I just, for some reason... I was too busy. It was, uh, I'm going to go back with you. I'm in my last year of law school. Mm-hmm. I'm running for the legislature in the primary. Yeah. I've just become the head of the tax, the state tax, state adjusted gross income tax. I'm trying to graduate from law school and take the bar exam and run for office. Mm-hmm. So my year was just, Hectic. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff. So I, I really, and I, and I was also uh, interviewing at times for a law firm. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That, that, that started in summer, but it didn't go on because of the going then in November to right to the legislature. Right. And I didn't get back on track until uh, after the legislature was over in mar- late March. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. So yeah, you're busy. Um, now, did you have a sense of how people would vote prior to actually voting on legislation? Yeah, we did because the Bodine ran the caucus very well yeah his uh, concept of what was going to get through or not get through 
was pretty on point. He was probably, you know, we never had arguments in the caucus. Mm -hmm. We had exchanges of ideas uh, with, with strong presentations, but there wasn't really any arguments. Right. How influential would you say party leadership was when it came to what legislation would get passed or, or heard in committees? Quite honestly, I do not remember any um, any arguments from the party leadership. Oh, okay. I, I was never approached by any political person uh, either locally or statewide. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what would you say the public doesn't know about the Indiana General Assembly and how it operates? The public. Yeah. Perhaps during your time when you served, or you know your impression of, of things today as well. The in Indiana, yeah, the public, in my opinion, really doesn't care about the legislature until it meets. As opposed, for example, to Illinois, mm -hmm. which const which constantly meets. Right and the other states that do that. But because the legislature only meets for uh, now a longer time, but back then, you know, we were there for three months mm -hmm. and gone. Yeah. And you didn't think about it, especially in the off year, in the non-election year, you, nobody even thought about it. Right, yeah. No, I understand. Uh, unless you had to go to a special session, but... Even then, though, there's not much attention. There aren't any. In, in those days, there weren't these flaming bills that people thought of, think about now. Yeah, okay. In those days, things were much calmer in terms of legislatures, uh, legislators, mm -hmm. and the legislature. Yeah. Now, there seems to be a fight about everything. Yeah, that's interesting. And. Why do you think that is? What what has changed since you were in the legislature? The growth of uh, conservatism in the uh, Republican Party and the lack of uh, of results in elections for Democrats, other than Evan Bayh. Mm -hmm. There hasn't been a John Gregg, who ran for the governorship, really had a great campaign going, uh, and unfortunately just, just didn't quite make it. But before John, in the years between the time I was there and John, there wasn't much yeah. other than, other than uh, Franco, Bannon, Franco Bannon and John Gregg. Mm-hmm. The Democrats just kind of sat around and let things do nothing, really. Right. Statewide. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Do you remember the uh, uh, the Indianapolis News newspaper? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Well, we had the news newspaper, and we had the Star, mm-hmm. and we had the uh, Record, and as you know, the Star then was ultra conservative. Mm-hmm. The news was much less conservative, but had some leanings that way. And it gave a lot better, uh, and the Times, we had the Times as well. And the Times gave a much better coverage to liberal politics than uh, the news or the star. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. What would you say were the most controversial legislative issues during your time in the Assembly? Uh, boy, I'm sorry. I, I really don't remember any <laughs> That's okay. Controversial stuff. I guess that's a good thing. Uh, you know, <laughs> if everyone was able to work together and, and not have any big problems. Um, that, yeah, I think... It would be strange today for, for someone to say, oh, there's nothing controversial. So that's, I guess that's a good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Change of pace, yeah. Absolutely. Um, what legislation did you work on that took the most time? The budget. The budget, yeah. That's always a, a big one, I think, for legislators to work on. Yeah. What was your proudest moment as a legislator? Um. I guess you could say it, it was after the legislature met, um, the Times uh, named me the Outstanding Freshman Legislator. Oh, okay. That's cool. What would you say was the biggest hurdle you had to overcome during your time in office? Actually, it was time. It was a time issue. Yeah, getting the, getting the budget done. Yeah, in the time period that we had. Right. Because uh, uh, we, had, we had we had a couple issues that I remember, particular with Purdue's budget and with IU's budget. The president of IU was Elvis Starr who was not an educator at all. Mm -hmm. And the president of Purdue was uh, uh, Hovde. Hovde was the president of Purdue, and he had been at Purdue Purdue quite a while, and he was just entrenched. Mm -hmm. And he, he... he figured that he could come into the legislature and get anything he wanted. One of the members of the Ways and Means Committee was a Purdue grad, and he didn't appreciate Hovde at all. Mm-hmm. So there was a there was there was some animosity there. Yeah, it was engendered by Hovde's. Uh, 
his attitude was he was, he was looking down at everybody. Oh, okay, yeah. As opposed to Daniels, who uplifts everybody, I think. Right. Um, so that that uh, the meeting with uh, with the Purdue budget was a, was the only tough meeting we had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. What, in your opinion, is the most important work of the Indiana General Assembly? most important work of the Indiana General Assembly. Yes. Funding the work of the state of Indiana, the the employees, funding funding the state budget and funding the important issues that uh, are, are served by the government and in, in my mind, the most important issue right now is teachers' pay. Okay, sure. And I ought to tell you this, uh, full disclosure, mm-hmm. my, nep- my nephew is the head of the Senate. Oh, really? Okay. Rod Bray is his name. Oh, interesting. Okay, wow. So there's a so, yeah, family tradition uh, a little bit. <laughs> it is. And I try to stay out of everything because of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. But I, I really feel like they have to address schools, education, and teachers' pay. Mm-hmm. Because Indiana still, in the education area, still, going back to when I was there, Yeah, educationally, doesn't do a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seems like it's been a hot topic for a while in the state, yeah. Well, if it wasn't for Daniels, we would be really down the tubes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So were there debates about education in your time as well during the General Assembly? Well, the, the debate was, like I said, about Indianapolis not even taking federal money. Yeah, right, right, yeah. You know, that, that got done in... Uh, Less than two weeks after we got there. Yeah, <laughs> so that changed fast, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, let's see, how would you summarize your time as a state legislator? Um, I think in terms of the accomplishments of, of funding the... Uh, education and establishing the school in uh, Ball State. And here's an aside. One of my nephews, who was a Michigan kid, Mm -hmm. went to the architectural school at Ball State. Yeah. So uh, I felt very good about that. And... um, just in general, after after we uh, closed down, I was on the tax uh, uh, tax finance policy commission that we established and worked th- with them for the next two years. And I was sad I couldn't continue to work for them after or with them after the legislature because you had the change in in uh, 
from from Democrat to Republican. Mm-hmm. But that that commission could have done a lot more, I think, for education than it did. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I think there's still a lot of work to do in that area. Sure. Sure. What is your favorite story or anecdote from your time as a legislator? I'm kind of stumped. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Favorite story or anecdote. (laughs) Well, okay. My favorite story is the the byplay between... Uh, the legislator on the Ways and Means Committee and uh, President Hovde. Mm-hmm. Those two uh, went at it about the Purdue budget. Okay. And Hovde was embarrassed by this legislator because the legislature, the legislator, found some accounts that he didn't believe were being used for Purdue education, but rather for Purdue uh, non-educators that worked at Purdue. Yeah, okay. Interesting. And that embarrassed Hubdi. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what lessons, if any, did you learn as a legislator? The biggest lesson I came away with is that the legislature needs to meet, I'm talking about my time, Yeah, needed to meet more often than it was. Oh, okay. Sure. Because there were more issues to be addressed, and the time limitation back then was really crucial. Right, yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't address. Yeah, that makes sense. Real, real going forward in... In, into the future, mm-hmm. which is, I think, a part of the legislative process. Right, yeah. Did you have any regrets as a legislator? Uh, I guess my biggest regret is I didn't get reelected. Yeah, sure. What advice would you give to future legislators or even current legislators? Uh, do your homework. Mm-hmm. Once you know after the primary that you're you're going to be running for the legislature, whether you're Democrat or Republican, don't just be worried about campaigning, but be concerned about how it works and what the general public needs are. Right. Because you've got a lot of time from May to November. And, it, and don't just sit back or go out and campaign. But put some time in to learn how to, how to use your time in the legislature well. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. How has the state of Indiana changed over the course of your lifetime? Uh, it's gone from conservative to what knows that my days were called liberal. And back to conservative, biggest changes. Oh, okay. Would you say 
the General Assembly is, is still reflecting that today then? Absolutely. Uh, how has politics changed? Is it... It's much more conservative than it was when I was there. Would you say it's more divisive as well, or...? More divisive. Uh, well, the, the legislature itself, as a, as a, as a group, mm -hmm. is not more divisive, but okay. it's more divisive politics-wise. Yeah, okay. For, for example, this uh, dust-up that just happened with the uh, Black Caucus and the, uh, and the Republicans. Right, yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Last couple questions. Uh, what, if any, enduring qualities do Hoosiers still have or hold dear? Well, boy. Enduring qualities. <laughs> Hoosiers, as a, as, a, as a big picture, are welcoming people. Mm -hmm. uh, with some few exceptions, like Dan Dockage. Okay. Who can't, stand, who can't stand anybody who comes from the East. <laughs> okay. Um, but in a general sense, they're very, Hoosiers are welcoming people. Yeah, sure. And I think that's their best foot forward. Right. Okay, last one. Uh, what do you want Hoosiers to know about their role in relation to the function of the Indiana General Assembly? Take it more seriously when they were going to vote on who's being elected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess. It isn't just the top of the ticket that matters. Right. Yeah, I suppose the more involved people are, the, the better off. And everyone is, and uh, what they want to get done by the by the government. <laughs> so, yes, they need to they need to learn everything they can about the things they want to uh, bring to the legislature. Yeah, so that they're they're not treated as as just dumb losers. Right. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Well. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to participate in this project, and um, I'm sure it'll be very helpful for the project to, uh, to get your interview added to the collection. Um, thank, thank you so you. much. All right. Take care. <laughs> you too. Be successful. Thank you.